Welcome to the Semper Reformata podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel again, and especially to verse 36. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Just for a wee moment this morning, I want to bring before you the Lord's Supper. This is one of our communion Sundays, and it's good just to think about what we do when we break bread and drink wine together. And in the passage that we read from the Gospel, Jesus has reached the end of his earthly work in the sense that his miracles were done, his teaching were done. He says uh, in John chapter 17, verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And his hour of sorrow was upon him. The time for his death was drawing near. The redeeming act for man's salvation was going to be performed. And Jesus begins this time of intense suffering by holding this very intimate communion with his disciples. As the meal continues in the upper room, Jesus broke some bread. And he gave thanks for it. And he began to distribute it among the disciples. And he tells them to eat this bread in remembrance of him. And afterwards he took a cup of wine and he passed it among the disciples. And he told them to drink of it and to remember his blood shed on the cross for sinners. Luke's Gospel records, likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's think about this ordinance of the Lord's Supper for a moment. It consists of two elements, doesn't it, as we know, of bread and of wine. The bread, well, what's the significance of that? Well, we need bread to live. Someone once said that bread is the very staff of life. I know that for us here in the West, in Northern Ireland, uh, bread has almost become a luxury product. In fact, the price of it would nearly make you think it's a luxury product. Um, And we've all sorts of bread, haven't we? Nowadays, this very nice sardo bread has been appearing in our shops, and it's absolutely delicious, nice and light. And of course, we have our own very famous breads, We have our soda bread, and we have our fudge, and we can fry them and make a big Ulster fry. We use that bread to complement our meals. But in ancient Near Eastern societies, bread sustains life. 
It was bread that kept you alive. And Jesus is to the soul what bread is to the body. He sustains our spiritual life. John 6 and verse 35, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So in the communion service, when we break the bread, it reminds us of how Jesus was physically broken and scarred and put to death for us at Calvary. Let's read together from Isaiah chapter 53, just to see what the ancient prophet said about the Lord Jesus, the suffering servant. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And all of that is summed up and presented to us as we break the bread. As we take it. As we behold it, as we eat it, we're reminded of Christ's death, of his broken body hanging on the cross. It's a visual aid to draw our minds back to Calvary. But then there's the wine, speaking to us of the shed blood of the Lord, reminding us that the physical sufferings of our Saviour were more than that, terrible those those physical sufferings were. When he died on the cross, Christ shed blood atoned for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserved. He was separated from God the Father. He cried out, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet, Strangely, at the same time, the scriptures tells us that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. The Bible's full of references to that. How that shed blood of the Lord Jesus cleanses us from sin. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19. 
says, For as much as ye know, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. So at the Lord's Supper, we break the bread, we drink the wine, we do so to remember our Saviour. And as we take those emblems physically, we by faith take him. We receive his grace by faith, his forgiveness by faith, and we pledge ourselves afresh to him. And just as we individuals must each receive the bread and wine, so we as individuals must come to Christ, acknowledging our sins, accepting him as our saviour. What makes our communion service different from anything in this world? What makes the Lord's Supper holy? Sometimes if you go to a different church, they refer to it as Holy Communion. Holy, of course, means separate or different or clean. What makes the Lord's Supper Holy Communion? What makes it different from any other common meal? What makes it different and so important to our congregational life and worship? It's because we do it to remember the Lord. It is a divinely appointed ordinance. In reference to it, Jesus said in the passage that we read together, This do in remembrance of me. Divinely given command of the Lord Jesus. It's not an option for Christians. If you love the Lord, then you are to come around the Lord's table. It's the highest seal of command upon it. Christ himself setting it up as an institution in his church. And it's a continuous ordinance. It recognizes that in the death of Christ, a past act, our sins were forgiven. And yet at the same time, it looks forward to the time at the end of this present age when the Lord will return. For we only celebrate the Lord's Supper till he come. And until that time, we meet together around the Lord's table as a perpetual reminder of Christ's finished work until he comes again. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26 For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. In the Savoy Declaration, the historic statement of Congregationalism, written by John Owen and others back in 1658, they say this, our Lord Jesus, in the night wherein he was betrayed, instituted the sacrament of his body and blood, called the Lord's Supper, to be observed in his churches to the end of the world, for the perpetual remembrance and showing forth of the sacrifice of himself in his death, the sealing of all benefits thereof 
unto true believers their spiritual nourishment and growth in him, their further engagement in and to all duties which they owe unto him, and to be a bond and pledge of their communion with him and with each other. Divinely appointed ordinance. An ordinance that is to be performed in the church right to the day in which the Lord comes or calls, and an essential ordinance. Everything that the Lord commands, he did so, so that we would obey him. So it's not optional. When he gave the great commission to the disciples in Matthew 28, he said we are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, for lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. Teach the people what the Lord has commanded. That's the job of the Christian minister. That's the job of the Christian church. The Lord's Supper is the Lord's command. We are commanded and we are to tell others that we are to frequently attend the Lord's Supper. Reminded of it, that the death of Christ and his resurrection is the very heart and soul of the Christian message. The Lord's Supper is enacted in the church by God's command. It is instituted by Jesus himself. It's to be a feature in the Lord's church until he returns or until we are one in fellowship with him and the glorified saints in his presence. So lastly, how should the Lord's Supper be observed? Well, first of all, with great reverence. Great reverence. Why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in your Bible because Paul, of course, teaches us on this very subject. And he gives us again the words of institution that the Lord Jesus used. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 29, we see that we are warned about how we are to approach this sacrament, this ordinance. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29, he tells us, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the word. Little verse there in church discipline. Verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Now think about this for a moment. The Lord's Supper is a reflection on the death and a resurrection. The atoning death of the Son of God himself. And in that passage from the Gospels that we read together, from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is speaking about his very near death on the cross. So while there's great joy at the resurrection, 
while there is great joy in our salvation, while we marvel at our forgiveness, we cannot approach the Lord's table with anything less than true reverence. We're to do so in a spirit of meek humility. We are not to eat or drink unworthily. We're to be reminded that we are sinners. We're to remember the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We're to remember that he died for me as a sinner. We are living monuments of God's redeeming mercy. Horatius Bonner said, Mine is the sin, but thine the righteousness. Mine is the guilt, but thine the cleansing. Here is my robe, my refuge, and my peace. Thy blood, thy righteousness, O Lord my God. We have nothing to bring to the Lord's table but the forgiveness of Christ. Cannot come to it claiming that we are good people. We come in a spirit of meek humility and we come in a spirit of thankfulness for the love of God for us. John says we love him because he first loved us. Here's the evidence of it right before us at the Lord's table. Jesus saying, this is my body, this is my blood, broken and poured out on the cross for you. And we see in the Lord's Supper the, the example of Christ's love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he loved us and gave his life for us. And we must do the same. We come with humility and with thankfulness that Christ loved us. And with faith, we're always to approach God in faith. And with hope, the Lord's Supper is a foretaste of heaven. There'll be no communion services in heaven. Our communion there with the Lord will be complete. One day we shall meet him face to face and enjoy his presence. Until then, we meet around the Lord's table and enjoy his presence through faith. When we read that passage from 1 Corinthians, we discovered that before we come to the Lord's table, we are to examine ourselves. We're to judge ourselves. We're to look and to see if there is anything within us that would prevent us from coming there. Verse 28 says, But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. It's not up to me to examine you or anyone else. Today as you come around the Lord's table, you must look inwardly. You must spend a few moments examining yourself and confessing any sin. And we're to look at ourselves and to look even at our attitudes to the Lord's Supper. When you come around the Lord's table, will you come with a right spirit? Will you come as one with a prepared heart? Will you come as one who is watchful and humble and prayerful? If you only come on an infrequent basis, why is this? Are you willfully ignoring God's righteous demands upon you? 
Do you not understand the benefits of communing with God in this manner? And then there's those who say, I won't come around the Lord's table because I'm not good enough. But you see, none of us are. We're not told to make ourselves good before we come. We'll never achieve it. Not in this life. None of us will be perfect. We're not told that we have to get rid of all of our sin. We're told we have to confess it. We have to come examining ourselves and having examined ourselves and having judged ourselves, then having confessed our sin, come around the communion table. And yet there are those who cannot come at all. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said that we come together to eat and drink the cup and to show the Lord's death till he come. And he talks about eating and drinking the cup of the Lord unworthily, being guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord. If you've never received God's forgiveness, if you're not a Christian, if you do not know what it means to have your sins forgiven, then you're simply not ready to come to the Lord's table. And even more tragically, you cannot have communion with God now. You can't have it in eternity. It's important this morning because the Lord's Supper is a visual aid that points us to Calvary and points us to how our sins are forgiven. It's important to know that you are a believer, that you have accepted Christ as your Savior and having done so, repented of your sins and that you are born again of the Spirit of God. And if so, then you are commanded to come. And if not, then simply to refrain from coming. But do come to Christ. That is more important. Do not allow the devil to destroy your soul. Do not perish in your sins. Repent, believe, be born again, and then rejoice with the rest of us. Join with his people in fellowship around the Lord's table. Just a few simple thoughts on communion. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.